Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. ESPN and joining me now as is customary on a Wednesday, that'd be Ty Richardson on X at Ty Sports Radio, co-host of the Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday on ESPN Arkansas. Ty, what is happening, brother? We have early signing day today. I know here in Memphis we're happy. We had a nice little win over Virginia for the Memphis basketball team, we have John Morant with a buzzer beater. How are you doing, though? That's what I want to know. Well, I'll tell you what. I got a chance to watch a little bit of the Memphis highlight and then also the FedEx Forum, which looked like it was packed for that ranked matchup. Yep. Uh, things seem to be all all uh, all better in Memphis after, um, again, beyond 25-game suspension. And Memphis basketball, it's, it's a it's a tournament team right now. Oh, I think it's, I mean, at this point, Ty, are we talking beyond tournament team? We're, we're talking about a team that um, right now in a lot of bracketologies is between a three seed and a five seed. They just beat Virginia again last night. That's three straight top 25 wins for this this Penny Hardaway coach team. And they have, uh, uh, you know, reinforcements on the way. Uh, Naquan Tomlin. I uh, I feel pretty good about this, uh, this squad Penny has. Yeah, and... The best thing would be for them to just keep doing what they're doing and somehow end up in that first and second round site in Memphis. I yep. mean, if you if you got the FedEx form rocking with Tiger Blue um, like it was back in again early two thousands and nineties, and that would just be a and I know it's obviously a different venue from where they used to play, but mm-hmm. you'd see a lot of Memphis State throwback jerseys, and I I think that would just be good for college basketball. Memphis would. When Memphis is good at college basketball, it's better for the sport, I think. Yeah, I, I, I do think they are that type of brand, especially in sort of the non-power conferences that definitely draw some eyes and, you know, uh, bring definitely a, a watchability to the game that's not necessarily normally there with a uh, with a mid-major. And I do that in air quotes because people do not like me saying that about the University of Memphis and this basketball program. How are we feeling in Arkansas right now? How, what's it feeling like? We have early signing day. I don't know if Sam Pittman's doing the best job. Um, basketball team, sort of in and out, um, seven and four. I still think they're a tournament team. I think they're fine, but they did lose to a, a ranked Oklahoma team a couple of games ago. How, what what are the feelings like right now in uh, your neck of the woods? Well, they signed a, a transfer from Tennessee that is an offensive lineman that people are excited about. Uh, they signed a five star linebacker from Georgia, played for the Bulldogs past couple years. So. They did lose the number one recruit in the state, Cordy Crutchfield, uh, Pine Bluff kid to Missouri, which hurt. But football has added some pieces, and I think they ended up flipping this linebacker uh, Shaw from from Clemson. 
which is always a big deal if you're able to do that. So I, I think it's it's there's still a long way to go, but football I think is headed in the right direction. Basketball, you got a game tomorrow night against Abilene Christian. Then you don't play till next Saturday. Yep. You got a long, long uh, number of days off, and they really need to be undefeated before conference play to to sit nine and four before the Auburn Tigers come to Bud Walton. Mm-hmm. Now holler at me about KJ Jefferson. We had the official announcement earlier this week that he's getting into the portal. Although we all sort of understood or had at least the thought process he was going to do that. Um, looks like it's going to come down to Miami, Central Florida, TCU, something of that nature. Yeah, we had our, our buddy Brad Crawford at Two Four Seven Sports on this week, and and those were really the three schools. He included South Carolina, but then got a source later on that told me that told him that they weren't pursuing him anymore. So that's what it seems like. Uh, KJ is a Mississippi kid, uh, not too far from Memphis, and uh, he will play at North Panola High School. So I was thinking he might try and stay closer to home, but, I mean, UCF, and I guess that's not brutally far. You're not going to California or anything, but uh, definitely interesting. TCU with Chandler Mortis entering the portal. You just put two and two together with Kendall Bryles there. That just makes a lot of sense. What were you hearing? What what was the thought process around his decision ultimately to leave Arkansas? Uh, do you, how much did Taylor Green play into that? Um, their their new quarterback uh, that they got out of the transfer portal from Boise State. How much did just sort of last season play into that? I think you got to read between the lines a little bit. And if you listen to Sam Pittman's coaches show or Bobby Petrino's press conference, at no point did it sound like this. That we're trying to recruit KJ back. I don't think that ever came out of their mouths. They talked about him making the decision and his decision. But, Gabe, you played the sport. Sometimes coaches are like, hey, man, you might not play here next year. might be better if you moved on, looked around. Uh, that, that's not necessarily shared publicly all the time, but privately, I mean, you know what goes on. Right. And I think something like that might may have happened here. It, it, it does seem wild to me, though. With with he he did have some good film and some good times there at Arkansas, right? Like some high times. Like it does sort of take me aback if there was a conversation, uh, you know, between Sam Pittman and that coaching staff about moving on from him because it seems like he had one more year of eligibility. If you were able to keep him, it seems like that would sort of. Um, Make you want to keep him, uh, considering what he's done in the past. I, I is it, it is it surprising to you that it, it seems sort of like it was a mutual parting of ways, or um, is that not the full story? So I mean, there's always backstories that we don't a hundred percent know about. It, it didn't seem like he was as as vested this year as he maybe was a year ago or right. two years ago. I think partially that had to do with the, the overall aspects of the team. But, I mean, he was just on his back all the time for right. a future and offensive line. It's really hard to keep motivation when you're just on your backside 24-7. And this was probably a, a combination, like you said, Petrino and KJ. They probably had conversations. And and if I had to guess, Petrino was like, we're going to bring this guy in and you're not guaranteed a starting job. and. Guys nowadays, especially in their final year of college, want to be guaranteed these. I don't blame them for that. And, so, yeah, I think it was mutual. I think that's the best way to word it, Kate. Yeah. Now, looking around the country, there is some, uh, there's some interesting movement. I have, to, I have to ask you about this, this Oregon situation. With Dan Lanning, how good is he right now on the, on the recruiting trail, whether it's transfer portal or not? I mean, Bo Nix seems to have made them quarterback you. Um, they, they already got Dylan Gabriel earlier in the signing class. Um, or got him to commit. I think he signed 
Um, so he's going to be the starter next year. And then they get Dante Moore as well from UCLA to come over to be a quarterback of the future. It's nuts what he's been, what he's been able to accomplish on the recruiting trail, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that the, the latter of what you mentioned, I mean, you convinced of, and I think Moore was a five-star coming out of high school. Oh, yeah, he was. He right? was very, yeah, he yeah. was, I think he was a top three quarterback recruit. Yeah, highly decorated kid, and he knows he's not going to play really next year. I mean, that's Gabriel's team, and yet he's willing to sit out. Um, then you're looking elsewhere, like Malachi Nelson at USC. You would presume that job was his next year, and he hits the portal. Yep. Other guys that are highly decorated quarterbacks that even just have a year left to wait are like, no, nah, I'm not waiting a year. I'm gonna, I want to play now. So they go elsewhere. Even like Kyle McCord, for example, you go from Ohio State, Ohio State, Syracuse, or excuse me, Syracuse. That's like going from prime rib to <laughs> like, a chuck I, roast, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it, and I like and I like chuck roast as much as the next guy, but it, it, the, the drop in football qual- quality is pretty severe. So you're going to see some really odd moves. Like think about JT Daniels. He started at USC, then he went to Georgia. Then he went to West Virginia, and I, I can't remember what other school. But Rice, like, Rice was last year, yeah, yep. That's right. And so he just was a drop-down in classification each time. And it, you're just like, man, this uh, – I guess USC and Georgia are about the same. In fact, Georgia's better. But, I mean, the other two is like, that's a drop and that's a drop. So you're just going to see some weird things with the portal. And as we know, Gabe, money talks. Oh, uh, it, it does. It does, and, and the, the, I'm glad you brought up the Malachi Nelson thing with USC because USC is in a. I, I understand how good Lincoln Riley is with transfer quarterbacks. I mean, he just. I mean, Heisman transfer quarterbacks is what he what he produces. Let's be honest. But it looks like Will Howard from Kansas State may be the guy he attaches his name to. Are we serious right now? I like Will Howard. I like that Kansas State program. But I didn't think Will Howard was the type of quarterback that Lincoln Riley would would sort of um, go after. I I I have real questions about USC and what they're going to do going forward after, especially after a seven and five year. How bad this year was? Yeah, and I think that's I don't really worry, Gabe, about his QB situation because you mentioned. I mean, Mayfield, Murray, Hurts. Williams, I guess, technically transferred, but he had him initially at Oklahoma. Right. Uh, and Rattler as well was initially there. But to me, it's all about what they do on defense. Like, yep. if you want to get to that next level, I mean, Riley's, I hope he's not, he was stupid enough to keep Greenwich around as, as long <laughs> as he did. You got to go get a top notch defensive coordinator and invest, not just, not just for recruits, but you also have to invest practice time on the defensive side of the football. And if I had to guess, the majority of Oklahoma and USC's practice is all offense. Nothing, no defense at all. They they're just there to play scout team because that's what it looks like on the field pretty much every Saturday that a Lincoln Riley defense suits up. Well, but then the problem becomes okay, yeah, you're talking about defense, but if you have a fall off on offense, where's that program going to be? You know what I mean? Like if you have a fall off because Will Howard is your starting quarterback at USC next season, what what is your team going to look like, especially playing in the Big Ten when you already don't have the bodies to buck up uh, against some power running teams? We saw what Utah has been able to do to them since they've been uh, you know battling with them in the Pac-12. If they're not able to get this offense, uh, you know, on par with where they've been for the past, you know, couple years since since Lincoln Riley's been there, where are they going to be? Like that's the question I have. Yeah. Focus on the defensive side. Get the defensive side better. But if that offense takes steps back, that program's going to be even worse than 7-5 and five in the Big Ten. 
Yeah, although they won't be in Indianapolis playing for the Big Ten Championship, that's for yeah. sure. And again, you mentioned the transition of going from a league that played no defense whatsoever to a league that's the second best defensively in all of college football. So it is quite a transition. You not only have to pick it up on that side of the football, your offensive expectations are going to suit up. And again, Will Howard, I think he was like 24 touchdowns, eight picks last year. Those are good numbers in college football. But I don't know if he's going to be the guy that can again, bring you into the Big Ten in the way that USC fans expect this next year. So I already brought up Dante Moore, who left UCLA. But with UCLA, uh, Chip Kelly's still around, and Chip Kelly, after his bowl game, gave some comments. I'm sure you've heard them. Have you heard them before I get into it? Yes, the, the commissioner thing. Yes, about, right? he it's- said, yeah, he said that we need to break off, you know, 64-team super conference. We need to still play, you know, West Coast teams would play West Coast teams, you know, seven games a year, and then they'd rotate, you know, East, Midwest, the whole the whole type thing. But he say he, he wants it to split up to haves and have-nots, and he's he doesn't like the fact, like a lot of us don't like the fact, that we have – you know, teams at UCLA having to travel all the way across the country to play Rutgers, where whether it's women's volleyball, um, you know, rowing, whatever the hell it is, um, he feels like that football needs to operate on a different platform. I tend to agree with him. Do you agree with him? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of elements that he said that I agree with. Maybe one or two here that I would push back on. This the issue was with the Big Ten making the move they did, which it was smart move financially, and right. we're going to see the byproducts of that with the TV deals and whatnot. The SEC, I know they still went west, but Oklahoma and Texas, Austin and Norman are still kind of regional in terms of where, where the rest of the conference is. Yes, they'll, they'll be Austin to um, Columbia trips and Austin to Gainesville and stuff, but it's not, it's not Rutgers to you, you're Los Angeles like you're talking about. Right. There, there's far difference, and you think about like the Big 12, who they've added as well. I mean, you still got West Virginia and Morgantown. Uh, there, there are still long road trips in the Southeastern Conference, and there are some places that I like Gainesville, 16 hours from me. I had to fly to, but it, it still feels like it's kind of, even though it's Eastern and Central time zone, it's not two or three time zones like the Big 10, and I think the Big 12, and I guess the uh, not, not the ACC, but they're still going to have to kind of deal with when it comes to the expansion of their conferences. Yeah, and with the ACC right now, I think Florida State's very unhappy with their situation, being that they got left out of the uh, the, the big dance, the, the college football playoff. They may be looking for uh, greener pastures here soon, and I wonder what the ACC's move is going to be after that. The ACC's going to have to think about expansion pretty quickly. Yeah, and Florida State just doesn't have any... I, they don't have any power right now because they owe what, $120 million to the conferences they left. Right. And I know that it, it's appealing for either the Southeastern Conference or the Big Ten to potentially add a, a Blue Blood program that seems to be back on, a, on the rise under Norvell, clearly undefeated season. But like, and the SEC has that market corner. I mean, Tallahassee's got tons of Gainesville, uh, tons, excuse me, tons of Florida alums. So there's tons of Florida alums that watch uh, the SEC network and whatnot. I think the issue for the SEC is you almost like Miami and Florida State, uh, and more Florida State than anything because they're just back where they need to be. You almost just don't want the Big Ten to go down in your neck of the woods and pull them out because right. then that's an issue for recruiting. It's an issue for for television, yep. and, and that would be the only. It's almost like a hey, we're going to take them not because we necessarily need them to add to our footprint, 
but we don't want you guys. Yeah, we can't have the Big Ten. The Big Ten, and let's be honest about the Big Ten, they they sort of uh, put on this nice face. You know, they try to put on this nice face, but quite frankly, they're as predatory as any conference. They are the most predatory conference when it comes to realignment and adding teams. What they did to the Pac-12 was criminal, ultimately. They said they didn't want to be predatory, but then ultimately they take Oregon and Washington away from, from the Pac-12. I, I could see a situation where they do um, try to, you know, move and, and, and add Florida State if, if that, you know, presents itself, and that just makes them stronger. They'll do anything. Seemingly, um, and I know yeah. it's a new commissioner and everything else, but they'll do anything to add to their their TV rights deal and to to try to make money. And I would think here would be the linchpin in in this. And I don't have the Notre Dame NBC TV deal in front of me. I felt like that got re-signed and it went up, but I could be incorrect on that. Notre Dame just fits in the Big Ten, Chicago. I mean, it's regionally right, right there. Um, it, it, they still want to remain independent. And great, but if I was the Big Ten, and I know their, um, I think their commissioner was a like a, a former, uh, uh, formerly like connected to uh, Notre Dame somehow. I feel like there was a connection there. That's who I'm going in, going after if I'm them and doing everything I can to add them because if you get them, then you get the football product and the massive following, and then it's you could add a Florida State. I guess you could add Florida State and Miami if you're the Big Ten, but. Notre Dame is the much more appealing product, not just to the Big Ten. As weird as to say, if the SEC could get their hands on Notre Dame, that would be unfreaking believable. But it seems like Notre Dame is just going to stay independent until they can't anymore, and it doesn't feel like there is that situation that has arisen where they're not going to be able to stay um, independent. I think they're they're going to do that as long as they can, and it's weird. Weirdly enough, you know, where everybody else seems to join a conference or move on, uh, you know, participate in this, this realignment movement. feels like Notre Dame's staying put and they're, they're, you know, balking at the fact that everybody's just leaving for the highest dollar amount. They want to stay independent, whether, whether that dollar amount's lower um, in, in the situation they're in. They just tend to like it. And I, I would imagine, like, just ultimately, even if they're taking less money, they just like the scheduling freedom that they have because it feels like, just about every week, obviously they're on NBC, but every week the the game seems to matter. They seem to have pretty premier matchups every single week. Yeah, they come to Fayetteville in 2025. Arkansas travels back to South Bend in 2028. I'm going to go to I think my first Notre Dame game uh, this next season because they play Arkansas's bye week the week they host Stanford. I've got a buddy that's got a um, um, a condo up there, so I want to experience that. But I think if you're uh, if you're Notre Dame, if NBC keeps writing you a check, you keep cashing it. And they have the again, the luxury of lock and step with the ACC in basketball and I think baseball as well. Um, but if you if you can continue to make the money you're making by staying independent in football game, I, I 100% agree. Just just stay put uh, mm-hmm. because the, the money you'd probably be making is either uh, equal to or less than if you joined another conference, whether it be the Big Ten or the uh, SEC, and you just don't have the flexibility like you talked about. Yeah, but it's less than, right? The number that they're going to get from NBC is less than what they're going – like if they join the Big Ten right now, we know that the payout's massive and it's only going to go up. They're taking less than, and it's it's weird. It, like it feels like they're a, they're a breath of fresh air. I never thought I'd say that about Notre Dame, where they're a breath of fresh air when it comes to all this realignment talk because they are accepting less money to, to sort of keep what they have going. It's 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 an interesting dynamic that we're dealing with right now uh, with college athletics, college football, 
in particular. Now, getting to some of these bowl games, I do want to bring up uh, first, before we get into uh, your picks for uh, the Final Four, um, Georgia versus Florida State. I, uh, I'm quite interested in this game. Um, not because I think it's going to be some unbelievable back-and-forth matchup, because I think both teams don't want to be there. Like, how do you see that game going? Orange Bowl on December 30th, Georgia 14.5-point favorites right this second. Florida State's going to have to play Tate Rotomaker, the touchdown maker. Um, how, how, do you, how do you feel about that game? This game's Georgia. And right. if it was Beck versus Travis, I'd take the Seminoles, but it's Beck versus Rotomaker. And Beck's probably hacked off. I know he's coming back next year, but how the SEC championship ended. Um, he has a chance to, again, rewrite Iran's to a certain extent. Georgia's, they've already had several guys that opt out, as Florida State has. And like you said, neither team wants to be there, neither coach wants to be there, neither fan base cares about this game. And yet, when the ball snapped and there's opening kickoff, it, it is going to all of a sudden matter. Right. I just think Florida, or excuse me, Georgia with the more superior quarterback uh, is going to figure out a way to win, even though if, if Travis was playing, I'd take the Central. Does it frustrate you like it does me at least a tad bit? Because bowl season growing up, Capital One Bowl Week, the whole thing, like it, it was it, – I, I still enjoy it, but I think that nationally, you know, casual fans have been turned off because um, you have the college football playoff and it feels like the bowl games don't matter as much, especially these type of games. Does that bother you, the Georgia-Florida State game in the Orange Bowl, in the New Year's Six, undefeated versus 12-1 and Georgia, who was number one all year? It feels like that game doesn't mean much, and I know that bothers the casual fan of college football. Yeah, bowl season's dying I don't know if you're calling it a slow, withering death or if you're calling it like a quick, uh, silent one because right. what's killed it is the transfer portal opting out and, and NIL, but at the same time, that's actually boosting college football, as we've seen by the ratings. So I think that it is aggravating to me. Like you said, I used to do bowl pick Gabe, and mm-hmm. I don't do them anymore because you just don't know who's going to play. You don't know who cares. Like. It, and it's only going to get worse next year. I mean, you're moving to 12 teams. And right. If you don't make the playoff, no one no one cares. They just don't. So, yeah, I, I think for I mean a, a guy like you that played in some meaningful bowl games, it was it was a big deal for you. And like you didn't get a chance to play for a national championship, but some of those bowl games were massive for the yeah. Tigers. I mean, back in the day for Arkansas, they had played for a national championship since '64, and yet there's been meaningful after meaningful bowl game that Arkansas fans, again, found some solace in, and that's just going to die here in the next year or so. It's just hard, though. Like, college football as a whole, when it comes to TV ratings, clearly healthy. Like, no one's going to dispute that. But I think all these conferences found this sort of middle ground where you're not going to alienate your old fan base, the fan base that has been following college football for years and years and years because they will always watch these matchups, these massive matchups, regardless of how they feel about the sport. But you've been bringing in more casual fans with these massive matchups and more games that mean something, and that's why the college football playoff expands. But there's this weird dynamic going on right now where, yeah, the TV ratings will tell the story that it is successful, more successful than ever, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of purists, and I would I would consider myself at least a half purist, a quarter purist, that get bothered by just the direction where we're going. And I think I I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think I speak for you as well in, in that regard. Yeah, because you're again you're the end game is all right, we're still making a ton of money. 
we're still producing eyes on the TV and the sport is in a good spot. But at the same time... But the end game is losing tradition and losing regional rivalries and losing what I have watched up or or, or grew up watching. Yes, but at the end of the day, they just care about your eyes. And and I know you're you're kind of different because you work in this industry, but I think a lot of people listening would tell you they don't like where the sport is relative to 20, 30 years ago, and yet they're still watching every Saturday. Yeah, you see, we're the problem. You know, it's me... Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I think all of us are in that same boat. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, athletic directors, when they're sometimes, like, push back. It's like, oh, we don't like this hire, or, hey, we want this guy fired. The only way you can do that is if you don't buy tickets to the games, right? Yeah. Or you don't donate. or you and, the, and so in the same sense, in the same line of thinking, the only way that you change what's going on in the sport right now, what they actually will change, the powers that be, is you don't watch. And that's just not going to happen. Like, I, I, I can't imagine a Saturday in the fall where I, my eyes are either not at a college football game or watching on the television. And despite some of the things uh, heading in a direction that not just I, but so many people don't like, I just, I kind of look past it. And it, uh, it's, it's not sports <laughs> washing. Cause I think sometimes right. it's like that, that goes to far much further degrees and much more dangerous waters than we are with this, but it's definitely unlikable yet. We still like it because it's college football. Yeah, it's a, it's a slap in the face that we a, we ask for another slap in the face. That's what we do. Yes. <laughs> we get slapped in the face. We're like, please do it again. We're going to watch the games anyway. They basically call our bluff. If we say we're not going to watch, they call our bluff. Okay, show me that you're not going to watch. TV ratings are higher than ever. It's it's interesting. It's interesting, and I think we're going to keep heading down this path. Now, speaking of big matchups, because we watch it all the time, um, how about the college football playoff? What are your picks? We have Alabama versus Michigan in the Rose Bowl. That's going to be very, very fun, and I just love that that's the Rose Bowl game. And then Texas versus Washington. Uh, who do you have winning each game? And then uh, who do you have winning at all? I think the best scenario for college football would be if Texas played Michigan in the national championship because two of the most hated teams in the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Ten hates Michigan. Every Big Ten fan hates Michigan, and everyone hates Texas. Hate drives ratings, too. All- yeah, but and you got north and south, like it's perfect. But I think what's ultimately going to happen is you're going to have Texas take on Alabama. And I think I've doubted Michael Penix at least once this season, and I'm doubting him again. So that's, again, as a guy that didn't win the Heisman Trophy, he's going to be as motivated as ever in that football game to keep proving people wrong because Texas is the favorite, um, and he's going up against a really good defense that uh, Steve Sarkeesian has. But uh, like I said, I, I wish it was Texas-Michigan, but I think it's going to be Texas-Alabama, and I think Alabama's going to win the national championship. You don't beat Nick Saban twice. We saw that with Les Miles and him in, in 2011, and I know Sark's been on his staff, and I know Sark found a way to beat him this year, but you're not beating the best coach of all time in back-to-back games in right. one season. You might be able to do it over the course of two seasons. You're not doing it in the same season. So Bama wins a tie one against Texas in what should be a – a thrilling rematch like it was in 2009, except hopefully the well, both quarterbacks stay healthy, unlike when we saw Colt McCoy go out in that game. Um, and if, if that does happen, which I think is very much a possibility, and I'll give my picks coming up on Friday because we're going to be out of the office but um, for, for the holidays until those games come up. But um, I already think that Nick Saban has done his best coaching job this year. I, I already think that. If he wins a national championship, though, I think we will look back at this season by Nick Saban and say that was one of the best, if not the best, coaching seasons by anybody in college football history. What he has had to overcome, 
uh, from the quarterback position to the offensive line to two new coordinators. It's unreasonable. And to beat Georgia and then if he ultimately gets to the playoff, it, it, it's just it's unfathomable what he has been able to accomplish. And if he accomplishes this, it just it just continues to cement uh, the pedestal we put, uh, put him on at the top of college football coaching. I, I don't know if there's anybody who's ever done it better. Yeah, and rightfully so. So he's had, again, worst quarterbacks to win a national championship. Jake Coker. But it was a different style, right? Yeah. It was a different yeah. game then almost. Exactly. And he's, he, even on those teams, you had great defenders. And you do this year, McKistry. Um, and and th- that freshman linebacker, I, I'm forgetting his name, but he's just unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. You pair him with some other outstanding players. I just think what's interesting about this year's team is I know Milrow has – at times, been spectacular. Just I just look at the Auburn game, what he was able to do on fourth and thirty-one. But their skill position players like Burton's good, McCollum's good. Like they've got good SEC, but no one's elite. They don't have a, like a guy that they've had at wide receiver. I mean, you just go down the list: Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, uh, Jerry. G. I mean, they've had like ten wide receivers in the last decade. They've just been like that's the number one guy in the, in the National Football League whenever he gets to his team. And this year, like, there's no there's no alpha dog, I think, um, in that wide receiver corpse. Uh, that tight end's pretty solid, but I wouldn't say he's like O.J. Howard or some of the other guys nope. they've had. So they just – they have a good collection, not a great collection on offense, and this isn't like the best defense he's ever had. It's a good defense under Kevin Steele, but it's not the best he's ever had. So that, like you said, it plays out like you're saying. And they beat, uh, again, the Michigan Wolverines – and then they beat Texas or Washington, either a Heisman Trophy finalist or Quinn Ewers or team already beat him. I'd have to agree with you. That's his best coaching job since he's arrived in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and it's nuts because he's had some good coaching jobs. I think we can both agree on that. But, uh, Ty, um, this is our last time talking before uh, before the new year hits. What are your plans for the holidays? Man, I am uh, going to Chicago for New Year's. Got a buddy's wedding. Oh, wait, what what day do you get there? I'm headed to. I'll be I'll be in Chicago at least. Uh, you know, after after Christmas. Okay, I what? get there next Friday. It was at the 29th. Oh, okay, I'll be I'll be out of town before then. Rats. Okay. okay. So that's, unless uh, unless I extend my stay, I could extend my stay. So we can meet. Don't up. do that. <laughs> you don't do that. You don't want to do that. Uh, I got yeah, you. That's uh, that's the plan. Christmas going back to Little Rock. I'm um, staying in, in the great state of Arkansas, so that's the uh, plan. And at some point, I'm going to see you guys in Memphis because it's uh, hopefully for a, an Arkansas-Memphis rematch in the uh, first and second round. That'd be something. That's the fingers crossed. Yes, for sure. Fingers crossed. But, Ty, I appreciate it, man. Happy holidays to you and yours. Right, Merry Christmas, buddy. Thanks. Yes, sir. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.